Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Well, I welcome you to this special edition of Better Roads, and it's special because my guest today is Dr. Craig Keener who is the FM and Ada Thompson Professor of Biblical Studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. Dr. Keener, it's really a treat and an honor to have you with us today. It's an honor to be with you also. I want to make sure that our listeners today uh, know who you are. I'm sure that many of them do, but for those who do not, Dr. Keener has written over 20 books. I'm going to put it that way because I don't know what the actual count is right now. I know he has many published articles and chapters and books. He is a is renowned as a New Testament scholar, particularly in the area of his Bible background commentaries. In fact, I noted that his IVP Bible background commentary alone has sold over a half million copies. So I can't possibly itemize everything here, all the excellent resources that Dr. Keener has in print. Uh, would I be correctly describing you, Dr. Keener, as a charismatic Baptist who loves the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit? Yep, that works. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you've done a two-volume work on Miracles Plus. Tell me about, you have another book coming out about miracles. Yeah, um, it won't be out for many more months. I turned in the rough draft months ago, but, you know, books usually take like a year to come out. Um, but, yeah, my, my two-volume work People were complaining that it's too long. I mean, it's 1,100 pages. So <laughs> I, for why, why would they say that's too long? Anyway, so I, I uh, for years, have been realizing I needed to write a shorter and more readable version. But I, I didn't want to just repeat what I had in the first one. I wanted to um, maybe have some overlap. But for the sake of people who did actually read the first one, which was probably only like 5% of the people who bought it, but... Um, that the uh, that this this would have mostly new material, and also, you know, since since the first one came out, I've had more access to a medical documentation and so on. Because um, after the first one, some people started writing me and you know, giving me mm. information, and I I got some information from you as well. That's right, you did. It was a message online, and it was about Marlene Kleepies, right? Yes. And uh, so she's in this book, The Lady Who Was Healed of uh, MS. Yes. Well, we look forward to seeing that book when it comes out uh, October-ish or so, several months anyway, huh? That's, yeah, that's what they say. It's uh, it's not always easy to predict. Well, here's what we're going to do today. We, we have uh, a limited amount of time. I know we can't possibly cover everything about this, but we want to talk about prophecy. You and I believe in the gift of prophecy. It's biblical. We, we, we believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation today. Uh, but we've, as of late, had a few, oh, should I say, challenges that have come up regarding the application of prophecy. I'm, I'm noting a couple of articles you wrote. Last November, you wrote, it was entitled, When Political Prophecies Don't Come to Pass. Now, you may not have written the title for that, but that was the, the article, the title was given to it. And then another one, Unfailed Trump Prophecies Offer a Lesson in Humility. 
Uh, could you talk a little bit about the essence of what you were sharing there and why you felt it important to share about that today? Um, there are various reasons why it's important to talk about it. One is that a lot of people were following the prophecies and were really confused when they didn't come to pass. And uh, of course, there's some people who still think they, <laughs> they're going to come to pass. Yes. And then, uh, but also, I mean, these, these were very public. Um, they were reported in secular media. And so it, it's given an occasion for a backlash against um, Christian faith in general, as well as against the gift of prophecy. And, and so it, it, it's, it's important for people who do believe in the gift of prophecy used rightly to speak out when it's used wrongly or something goes very wrong with it. So uh, you, there, was a, there was a subtitle to one of these where you said this, instead of persecuting prophets who have apologized, we might do better to join them. Could you unpack that a little bit for us? Yes, the, the subtitle also was the editors, but yes. Uh, <laughs> which, which you'll uh, accept but, it. But, but, yeah, but the point, it fits the point. Because some of the some of the uh, prophets recognized they got it wrong, and they publicly apologized, which was the right thing to do. But some people jumped all over them, mm -hmm. not not the people you'd expect who'd say, "Ah, we we knew you were prophesying falsely." But it was yes. people who said, "No, you were right. You need to hang in there and have faith." <laughs> yes. And and I'm like, no, they were right to apologize. But it's not just them who need to apologize. I mean, in in 1 Kings chapter 22, you have a prophet, Micaiah, who stands against all these prophets of Ahab and speaks the truth. But, you know, the false prophets are the majority. And, you know, King Ahab was the one who gave them the platform. They all prophesied what he wanted to hear. But who gave these people today their platform? Why do some of them have a million views? And some people were saying something different you know, have only a handful of views. Mm -hmm. The platform that's given to people today is from the people who choose to, to listen to them. And people tend to gravitate toward the prophecies that they want to hear, which is not a good biblical solution for getting accurate prophecy. I mean, in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah also stood alone, speaking the truth. And in Jeremiah's day, he said, look, the burden of proof is on the prophets who tell people what they want to hear. Mm. For the past hundred years, he said, prophets have been prophesying judgment is coming. And, mm. it, you know, there are cycles of repentance and the judgment gets delayed. But look, judgment is coming and don't, don't sugarcoat it and say peace, peace when there is no peace. So in his day, and, and you know, we also read about it in 2 Timothy chapter Four about those who have itching ears and and they'll they'll heap to themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. It's um it's a human malady that we seek after what we want to hear, mm. sometimes more than wanting to hear what's true. And if we gave them the platform, then we all need to repent. So we're part of it then. Well, maybe we should wind back a little bit to the beginning about this. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what is prophecy 
And what's the purpose of prophecy? Yeah. Prophecy is speaking what God is saying. So it starts with hearing God's voice. Um, sometimes it can happen simultaneously. You're speaking as you're hearing. Sometimes it can, it can come in advance. Um, Jeremiah, uh, a false prophet, confronted him in the temple and, and shamed him. And Jeremiah um, didn't have an answer for him right away, but he went back. And after a while, the word of the Lord came to him. And then he, uh, he came and presented it, spoke it later. Or actually, they burned Jeremiah's uh, prophecies, uh, the scroll that contained them. And then uh, he goes back and prophesies to the scribe Baruch, who writes it down and adds in some more prophecies than were there before. So uh, God can do it in all sorts of different ways. I mean, prophecy is a really broad phenomenon in the Bible. And you have different kinds of prophets. I mean, you have uh -huh. Samuel, who was so accurate, none of his words fell to the ground. He could tell people where their lost donkeys were. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, when Samuel starts, that's very unique. The word of the Lord was rare in Israel. Yes. But in his older days, you know, he's got these companies of prophets where he's kind of supervising the sons of the prophets. You see Elijah and Elisha doing the same thing, mentoring a younger generation of prophets. So um, they may not have been at the same level, but they were they were, they were um, getting good mentoring. Now in the church in Corinth, you see that, uh, I mean, at the time Paul writes to them, the church in Corinth had just been founded like uh, two or three or four years earlier. So these are all young believers and they have to practice peer review. First Corinthians 14, 29, uh, let two or three prophesy. And then before you go on, let the let the others evaluate it. That's a great way but, to put that. That's a peer review. Yes. Peer review. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I don't, some people see a major discontinuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament in this. I think in the New Testament, you know, we have the era of the outpoured spirit, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Mm -hmm. All believers have the gift of being able to hear from God. Not, not all of us will be expressed in the same way. Uh, and not all of us will be on the same level with that. We, uh, Romans 12 speaks of whatever your gift is, do it according to the level of your faith. But in terms of all of us hearing from God, I mean, at the very least, Romans 8 says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children. So just the assurance that God gives us often, reminding us that we're his children, or Romans 5, 5, um, the, the, um, God's love is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in context, pointing to the cross. So um, God reminding us of his love for us. That's, you know, that's like a basic level of, of hearing God's voice. But sometimes God will give us messages, and especially with the gift of prophecy, um, not just for ourselves, but also for for others. And, and again, God... God does speak to us in a whole range of ways. We see that in scripture. Um, we see God leading his people through wisdom or through, uh, sometimes this is one I like when um, God kind of funnels you in the right way because everything else is blocked. Well, that makes it easy. Um, you, you're trusting him to order your steps. But sometimes we also have this inspiration from the Holy Spirit just welling up within us and we just have to to speak it out, what's in our hearts. 
And I think that can even happen in private. Um, and, and even, even, you know, where Paul uh, talks about uh, praying in t tongues, praying with your spirit privately. And then he says, uh, mm -hmm. when, when he talks about uh, praying with the understanding, which in yes. context is the interpretation, I think we can do that too. Although usually I don't interpret my own tongues when I'm praying privately, but, um, but I, I think we, I think there's more that sometimes we, we don't explore that God has for us in, in our regular Christian lives. Oh, no doubt. So uh, what I hear you saying is we, we can't be too quick to place prophecy into a precisely defined box. Uh, God is God. God has great latitude, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. so, so are you saying that perhaps God could use someone uh, for a a one and done, <laughs> a prophecy, whereas someone else maybe has more of, could we say, a mantle of, of, of a prophetic voice? Yeah, yeah. And, and when I was talking about uh, different different forms of prophecy, I mean, in a general sense, like where he says, your sons and daughters will prophesy in Acts 2, the way we see it in the book of Acts, you have certain people like Agabus, Philip's four daughters, who prophesy regularly uh, in the in the specific sense of prophesying, but then you have, um, you know, all believers are spreading the word of the Lord as we speak the gospel. The Spirit is in that, uh, like Paul says in First Thessalonians two. It's not uh, you didn't receive it as as the word of, of human beings, but as the as mm -hmm. what it is in truth, the word of God. So mm -hmm. when we're when we're telling people the gospel, we. We expect the spirit is speaking through that. We don't need a special feeling about it. We just trust that. Uh, but but often it's much more specific. And uh, people who do that regularly in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul does speak of them as, as prophets. So sometimes baggage comes with titles. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's one thing to operate in the prophetic. It's probably another thing altogether to carry the title being referred to as a prophet. Um, what's your counsel regarding that today? Yeah, Ephesians 4 seems to use uh, some of the titles in a more specific way, I think, than 1 Corinthians 14 in terms of um, these are people who actually carry that, I don't know if office is the right word, but they carry that regular ministry within the church. Today, I think it's important to be careful. I, I'm not a cessationist on any of the gifts. Mm -hmm. I, I believe all the gifts are for today. Apostolic ministry, I think, can be for today too. But what apostolic ministry means, I mean, you've got two different definitions side by side in the New Testament. Uh, the Gospels, and especially writers like Luke, Luke almost always, but not exclusively, with the exception of Acts 14, he he uses the title apostle only for the 12. But Paul in his writings, it includes Paul, and, and of course Luke uses it for Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, uses it apparently for Silas and Timothy, uses it for Andronicus and, and Junia, probably Andronicus's wife, uses it for a James, the brother of Jesus in Galatians 1, 19. First Corinthians 15, he says, Jesus appeared to the 12, and then to all the apostles. Mm -hmm. So Paul has a broader definition of it. It's true. And um, it seems to be, you know, he never defines it, but 
the way he uses it, it seems to be those who are like sparking new movements or um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So, and we see people like that in church history and today. But when Paul uses it as a title, <laughs> he, you know, he speaks of it elsewhere. He says, you know, God has uh, given us these gifts like apostles first, second prophets, third teachers, and then everything else. But when he talks about his apostleship, he says, God has set forth our us apostles last of all, and then goes on to talk about his sufferings. So people who haven't suffered for their ministry shouldn't be using the title. Yeah, <laughs> and, qualify. And also, I mean, I don't think we should use it for ourselves as a title of honor. Yes. Paul uses it as a title of service. And Jesus says the greatest is the least, you know. So it's it's something we do in serving the church and building up the church. Some people who use the term are, are using, in, in certain places, are using it to divide the church, say, follow me. You know, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, Paul speaks of um, wolves. You know, some of, some of you will become wolves who seek to get the sheep to follow after them. That's not what apostleship should be about. Right. And certainly not what prophecy should be about. You know, our culture is very much driven by marketing and consumerism. And because of that, there's a temptation to market ourselves. And even for those of us who don't have to market ourselves, we have publishers who do it for us. <laughs> we, we, uh, we have to be aware of that temptation of, you know, believing all the, the marketing hype, you know, it's, um, reading our own press clippings, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, fortunately, many of us have some uh, contrary press clippings to help keep us <laughs> or thorn in the flesh. Maybe that humility <laughs> factor again. <laughs> yeah. or, or pastors, you know, you, you, some people want to set you on a pedestal and then there's other people trying to kick it out from under you. So you <laughs> balance out. <but laughs> yes. Yes. So, so this, uh, I want to go back to the, the peer review. Really, peer review involves the safety and protection of accountability, I believe. Yes. And, of course, we all know we need a covering of accountability. Um, just a question for you. It seems to me that sometimes some of the most recent examples where there was confusion because of those particular prophecies, um, and I'm uncomfortable making that the focus because prophecy is much more than that, but but it, it, it seems like that... Uh, uh, a certain amount of that has happened because I'm not convinced the people who were giving the prophetic words had that system, that peer review. Uh, is that probably one of the challenges for us today, the accountability? Yeah, I think, I think well, definitely. Um, in terms of the ones who prophesied, some of them, I think, were part of a, you know, they had a safety net in terms of uh, peer prophets, but when those peer prophets went off, some of some of them followed because they said, well, you know, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. I don't want to be Micaiah. You know, mm -hmm. I trust these guys. These guys aren't false prophets. And so there, there was there were a number of, of prophetic people who are who are known for being prophetic, who chose not to make prediction because they didn't have a word from the Lord. Um, some I know and and yet there were others who they were like this was what they were feeling they weren't feeling it strongly enough 
that they would have said it on their own, but because all the other prophets were saying it, they felt safe. So there were some who were very outspoken at the beginning, I think, who um, set things on the wrong path. And I think some of that may have been, you know, their own political passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of it may have been um, confusing making predictions about the future with speaking the word of the Lord. I mean, you have futurists, secular futurists who make predictions, some of which turn out right, some of which turn out wrong. It's true. It's not wrong, provided you understand the rules of that, that you're, you know, speculating based on current events or something, and, and that you're saying, this is my speculation based on these events. But that's not the same thing as speaking the word of the Lord. Yes. And I think some of the people who got the, the ball rolling on this at the beginning. Um, and, and then there were some people who got things right four years ago. And I think they figured it was still right. And maybe yeah. in the Bible, a lot of prophecies are conditional. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. Jeremiah, I keep citing Jeremiah. I don't, I don't have to use just Jeremiah, but in this case, Jeremiah um, says that specifically, you know, if if the Lord pronounces judgment against this kingdom, but they repent, he'll he'll withdraw it. If he exalts, uh, promises exaltation, but they, you know, they're proud, they don't they don't humble themselves before God, he'll take that back. Uh, Elijah prophesied to Ahab, you're going to face this judgment for this crime uh, against this man your your wife had murdered, uh, with your blessing, basically, in in First uh, Kings twenty one. But then God, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, you see how Ahab assembled himself. It's not going to come in his generation. It's still going to come, but not in his generation. And you have other cases. I mean, Jehu was anointed to do a certain work, but he he ended up being just as bad as some of his predecessors. Yeah. And, oh. and God says, okay, I'll keep my promise to this extent, but I'm going to bring them down after such and such a time. And um, we, we we need to be open to, but the Lord deals with us dynamically according to, um, I mean, there's some things he says, this is this is permanent. <laughs> I swear by myself, says the Lord. Well, that, yeah, that's pretty yeah. solid. But then there are some things where he deals with us in time according to where we're at and we need to be flexible. So I, I was having dreams that made me very cautious even four years ago. Um, and, and that's not discounting what the people said four years ago on the other side of it. Because we each, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says we know in part and we prophesy in part. Yes. yes. Anyway, yes, we each so get part of the picture. We need each other. We need the accountability. We do, we do. And, and, and uh, I, I think I, I'm reminded of how we all have to remember that we have feet of clay. We are imperfect vessels is what you're saying. Yes. That, uh, And you you said you had a bit of cautious or caution about a dream you had. There was just that matter. There's a check in terms of, I don't want to place everything on this as if, as if I have the infallible word. This is what I believe yeah. I'm hearing from God. My, my, my caution there was, I was having a series of dreams that made me cautious about what the other people were saying ah, that they heard okay. from God. But at the same time, I didn't want to say, okay, my dreams are the word of the Lord either. I, 
I mean, we know in part, we prophesy in part, they're just partial and- That's right. Sometimes we have, well, dreams have to be interpreted and a word from the Lord has to be interpreted too. I mean, with Moses, uh, I think it's Numbers 12, God says, with Moses, I speak to him face to face. With these other prophets, I'm giving them, you know, dream or a vision, but you know, with my servant Moses, it's different on a different level. And, and Paul says that pretty much about all of us in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, we're not going to see him face to face until Jesus comes back. And so until yes. then, we have tongues and prophecy and knowledge and teaching right. and things like that. But there's going to come a day when we won't need all that because we see him face to face. Amen. Amen. That beats it all. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, you've a couple of times here, you've made reference to false prophets. Yeah. Could, could you talk to us a little bit? What's the difference between a false prophet and someone who perhaps is, uh, uh, could I say, a, a real, a legitimate, could I say, prophet, but whose words turn out to be false? He does miss it. What's the difference between that person and a false prophet? Um, one thing, <laughs> Nathan tells, tells David, um, yes, go ahead, do all that's in your heart. That's right. And then, and then he, he hears... Did. From the Lord later that night, uh, actually, no, he's not supposed to build the temple. He has to go <laughs> back and, and humble himself and correct correct himself to the king. Um, I mean, he gets most stuff right, but um, Acts chapter 21, verse 4, you have people speaking to Paul through the, through the Spirit, Luke says, that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Well, they're speaking through the Spirit. I mean, in Luke's terms, they're speaking the word of the Lord. But uh, back in chapter 19, it already said that, that Paul knew from the Spirit. Uh, sometimes he will translate that. I think it's around verse 21. Sometimes he will translate it as, um, as if it were his human spirit. But I think it's talking about the Spirit of God, given Luke's normal usage. Uh, Paul, Paul knows from the Spirit he's supposed to go to Jerusalem. And then in um, already in Acts chapter 20, He's hearing from the Spirit in city after city. People are prophesying to him what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Agabus does that in Acts 21.11, what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Uh, I think these people are saying to him through the Spirit that he shouldn't go. Uh, Luke doesn't, doesn't want to word it as prophecy per se, but mm. um, because they were wrong that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem, but they mm -hmm. were saying it through the Spirit because they knew through the Spirit what was going to happen to him. Oh, interesting. Just like the sons of the prophets were saying to Elisha, you know your master's going to be taken from you today? Mm. And, and he's like to these baby prophets, I know, I know, be quiet. <laughs> That's not the point right now. <laughs> and so Paul, Paul you know, and, and finally Paul keeps insisting, and you know, those who are present with him, Luke, Agabus, the daughters of Philip, Philip, they all say, the will of the Lord be done. Okay, this must be God's will, even though it's not pleasant. So um, they, they were, you know, they knew in part, they prophesied in part, but a false prophet is like what you have. And that, and that's why it has to be tested. And Paul does test it. And, and mm -hmm. you know, um, and in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5, don't despise prophecy, seek yes. to prophesy, yes. but examine it. So, you know, recognize our fallibility, same as we do with teaching. Mm -hmm. If somebody gets something wrong in their sermon, it doesn't make them a false teacher. If 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 you're evaluating prophecy on a weekly basis and, and you have to evaluate it, somebody gets something 
a little bit off or it needs to be nuanced with some, some other uh, complementary perspectives or whatever, that doesn't make them a false prophet so that you kick them out of the church, you know. I mean, these were house churches with like maybe 20 to 40 people. You can't mm -hmm. be, kick, if you're kicking people out every week, you're not going to have very many people. You won't have to be discerning after a while. But a false prophet is like Matthew 7, 15. You know, these are wolves in sheep's clothing who come to exploit the sheep. Yes. Uh, we read about them in, in um, also in John chapter 10 and a lot of other places. Um, these are people who are really leading people away from Christ. Second um, Peter 2, they exploit people for money. Now, I, although I defended some of the people thinking they, they, you know, for all we know, there are brothers and sisters. There probably are some of them. Who, I mean, you've got this entrepreneurial thing. It's kind of demanded if you want to get views on the internet. You know, yes, it's true. Telling people Get what they want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know you have a million views on this on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, well, we can hope. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, but with this entrepreneurial spirit, I mean, sometimes, well, there's the temptation to tell people what they want to hear. Yeah, and yeah. there may be some people who are just in it to. Well, some people may go into it with a sincere heart, but that's not to say that everybody does. Um, and and we've seen enough scandals in other parts of the body of Christ that don't practice prophecy. They have other ways of, you know, being mm -hmm. false teachers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and outside the body of Christ, I mean, there's scandals everywhere of yeah. people who don't live up to what they're supposed to, whether it's uh, lawyers or uh, it's true. Well, certainly politicians and and so on. So sure. you don't throw out the, the real because of the counterfeit, but you do need to check, <laughs> make sure it's not counterfeit. So exercise discernment regarding whether it's exploitive or self-serving. The Holy yes. Spirit can show us in those, those areas. And so, you know, one of my concerns in all of this is with all the controversy in here, we are having to parse out what is a false prophet and, and what, who is not a, a false prophet. And, and uh, even these fellows who made those prophecies and were very contrite and repentive and, and brought a corrective word, uh, even as you said, Nathan did that in the Old Testament, uh, brought that corrective word. Um, one of my concerns is people who may feel or, or be sensing that the Holy Spirit wants to use them in a prophetic way. They're, they're just, could I say, fledgling, flapping their wings, trying to discover what encouragement would you give them? What guidance or counsel would you give to people? They feel like, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit has something, but I'm really afraid now to really speak forth and say anything. It's important to have a, uh, the house churches were kind of like small groups back then. Uh, they were family-centered. They met in homes. It's important to have a, a small group of people among whom you can safely, um, I don't know if experiment is the right word, but share what you feel like God is saying. Uh, people who won't say, ah, ah, you're a false prophet. Get out of my sight. <laughs> but people who say, that may need a little bit of nuance. I mean, safe place. This scripture, yeah. Um, it's better to start it on a small level. I mean, that's why I mentioned at the beginning 
you had these like these that. mentors, senior level prophets. Um, when you when you go straight to when you go straight to the national stage without being tested earlier, mm -hmm. and you you don't have that accountability, those accountability structures built in. The risk of dishonoring the Lord's name is much, much greater. Mm. And the last thing we want to do is dishonor the Lord's name. But you feel you feel an urge from the Holy Spirit. There's something there, but it's like it still has to be translated, <laughs> just like tongues has to be interpreted. Well, the urge, when it's prophecy, it comes out in intelligible speech. And so, um, obviously, it's subject to scripture. Uh, it, and 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 we need the the testing of the rest of the body of Christ. Now, sometimes, and this was happening to me when when the people were prophesying that the president was going to be reelected. You know, I mean, it's up to it's up to God. I'm not like <laughs> saying this way or that way, but I I wasn't sensing that. But I mean, who am I? Here were these these big name people, and so I was wondering if what I was hearing was right. And I know I'm very capable of being wrong. You know, I wasn't about to take big national stage that. and say, <laughs> I had this dream. Well, yeah, yes. I had this dream, but that doesn't mean it, yes. it's for the national stage. And so, um, actually I had a series of dreams, but um, we start in a smaller level, uh, whether we have people mentoring us, whether it's peer review, whatever. Now, again, like in the cases of Micaiah and Jeremiah in the Old Testament, sometimes the most of the prophets were corrupted and peer review doesn't work. But sometimes you know that you know that you know. It's not just an urge. It's like so clear, you know, you're, you're not thinking about it. And that's what God wants to talk about. And I've had that happen where I did have to speak. It wasn't on the national stage, but where I did have to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes it comes out in, in other ways, too. I mean, it can come out in, if you know where Scripture says it, you can get away with saying, well, Scripture actually says this over here. You know, <laughs> this is what the Lord's saying. It's not, yeah. this isn't me. This is in the Bible. <laughs> and, of course, yeah, when we right. say the Scripture says, we're That's saying right. this is what God says, it's too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, All the all the prophets we know of in Jeremiah's day, except Jeremiah, got it wrong, telling people what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah was the only one who got it right. But a generation later, the three books of the Bible that say the word of the Lord was fulfilled according to the book of Jeremiah, according to the word of the prophet Jeremiah, they knew that he had been a true prophet. So when they're you know making the canon of scripture, they know whose book is going to get in, not the other prophets if they wrote any. What we have in scripture, you know, our own prophecies have to be tested. What we have in scripture is what's already been tested. Mm. Uh, it, it's not saying this is all that God has ever spoken. The Bible actually tells us about uh, true prophets, none of whose prophecies are recorded. So uh, like, you know, mm. in Elijah's day, um, mm. when Obadiah hit a hundred prophets, their prophecies aren't recorded, but there are other things God has spoken, but the purpose of scripture, it's a canon, which means it's a measuring stick. 
It's what's already been tested. Yes. It's what we can use yes. to evaluate every other claim. Excellent. So yes. immersing ourselves in scripture and in the spirit of scripture, um, of course, we still need to hear what it says for our own generation. Uh, Hezek, uh, no, no, sorry, Josiah, 100 years later. Uh, Josiah, here's the, the word of the Lord in Second uh, Kings 22, through the book of the law that's, that's read to him by, by Shaphan, uh, and and he and he tears his clothes. This is this is like terrible. Uh, we, we're under judgment. We're not following what this book of the law says. He sends to to Huldah, the most prominent prophetic figure of his his generation. Jeremiah was still too young. Um, Huldah was speaking the word of the Lord at that point, and she uh, she sends back the word of the Lord, how it applies to that to that generation. So. You know, we need to heed the spirit and we need, you know, scripture can guide us in growing in that. Excellent. Thank you. You know, as we bring this to a close today, you've mentioned how needing to immerse ourselves in scripture. There's no one listening today who doubts that you, my brother, have immersed yourself in scripture. And I read something about when you were a young Christian, how you began reading how many chapters of Bible a day? Forty which equaled what uh, cumulatively? Um, I could get through the New Testament every week or through the Bible once a month. But I, I had to catch up because I had been a, I was an atheist before I was converted. So, I mean, the little kids in Sunday school knew the Bible better than I did. But what, one thing it did for me though, it, it, you know, because sometimes you can memorize a verse here and a verse there and it may be out of context. But when you read straight through and begin to catch the flow of thought, uh, mm -hmm. in this book of the Bible or that book of the Bible, you see how it fits together. Yes, yes, the big picture. Well, for all of our listeners today, that gives you a quest if you want to pursue that. 40 chapters a day will get you through the New Testament every week and the Bible every month. My brother, I haven't reached that yet, but I, I admire your model. <laughs> I'm not doing that now. That's what I did then. I, I yeah, I spend a lot of time studying backgrounds and stuff. Yes. To well, it took. It's still in there. Uh, it, uh, Dr. Keener, I want to thank you so much for giving yourself today. I knew the time would fly by. And just your willingness to make yourself available today to share with our million listeners on this podcast. <laughs> thank you so much. May the Lord bless you richly. God, God bless you. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.